Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for Milwaukee's philanthropic community, where we highlight people and organizations who are doing great things and making a big impact in our community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group, who is actually the holistic financial planning firm responsible for bringing you this show. So what are some fun things you do with your friends and family? And how many of those fun things you do are educational in some way? I would venture to say that you can find many different educational benefits of spending time with family and friends. You can certainly learn a lot, right? Maybe you take uh, a trip up to your lake house up north and you love spending time there with your family and friends just chilling, which is, which is awesome. Maybe you don't think there's anything particularly educational about that, but I would beg to differ. I would say that you can learn the art of relaxation and how to find peace amidst chaos. I would say that you can learn about the environment when you talk about the nature that you see around you. Like most things, if you intentionally look or seek, you will find. One of the things that we used to do as a family each year is visit the zoo. Uh, my husband used to work for a company who had their annual picnic there, and it gave us an opportunity to meet with coworkers, but also to see the animals, which we loved. We're big animal lovers in our house. There's all kinds of things that you can learn at the zoo, obviously. You can go for those zoomobile rides or take the, the train rides. How fun is that, right? Remember those, pre- those, those precious moments that you had with your kids when you would take those trips, or maybe now you're taking your grandkids, but all good memories of great times. Joining us today to tell us more about the zoo is Jody Gibson, president and CEO at the Zoological Society of Milwaukee. Welcome to the show today, Jody. Thank you so much for having me today, Jill. You're welcome. Why don't you start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, like most people who were born in Milwaukee, I've got fond memories of attending the Milwaukee County Zoo as a child. And professionally, I have an interesting background because I've held senior leadership positions in both the corporate and the nonprofit sector. So I graduated from Ripon College and began my career in business. And while I really enjoyed the intellectual challenge of that, I found that something was missing for me. So I started to volunteer and give back um, to my community to look for some personal fulfillment. And over time, I started volunteering more and more. It started out once a month, then it went to once a week, a couple times a week, lots of phone calls at work in the office. And finally, I had to say to myself, maybe I needed to take a time out and figure out what I wanted to do with my life and eventually left a great job in corporate America to work for some local charities and found that to be really fulfilling. And at the time I did that, I remember the conversation I had with my dad. Um, I feel very blessed. I was fortunate that my parents were able to help pay for school. And so when I was going to make this transition from business to charity work, I sat down with my dad and I told him I was going to do my domestic Peace Corps and maybe give back for a couple of years and then go back into business. And decades later, um, I found myself, you know, giving back and found a really rewarding career in the nonprofit sector. I worked for more than 10 years at the National Office of Feeding 
Feeding America, the country's largest hunger relief charity. And after doing some great work on corporate partnerships there, I converted that um, into a role that led me back to corporate America, overseeing corporate philanthropy and corporate social responsibility programs at two Fortune 200 companies. So that brought me um, all that leadership experience, gave me a great opportunity to lead a dynamic nonprofit here in Milwaukee in a community where I grew up, and I'm thrilled to lead the Zoological Society of Milwaukee. Well, and I'm sure along your your path that you have a love of animals that maybe you, you didn't uh, share in your story. I mean, you're working with the zoo in partnership with the zoo, so you've got to love animals. You know, I talked about visiting the zoo with my family, which I'm sure is a popular destination of fun for many families. But people may not realize that you guys are not the zoo, but you do support the zoo. So tell us about the partnership that you have. Absolutely. Um, the Zoological Society of Milwaukee is a, the nonprofit charity partner that helps support the Milwaukee County Zoo. So the zoo itself is part of the county government and the head of the zoo reports directly to the county executive. It's essentially a department um, within the county. And so the county really operates the facility itself. And then the Zoological Society helps complement that. So our mission focuses on conservation, education, and supporting the zoo financially, both through providing annual operating support as well as helping partner 50-50 on the major capital renovations and exhibit improvements that you see out at the zoo. So we help raise funds, but we're more than just a fundraising arm of the zoo. And didn't you guys celebrate your 100-year anniversary in 2010? Yes, we did, actually. So thank you. We've had a partnership for more than 100 years with the zoo. Um, And just a couple years ago, the zoo itself celebrated its 125th anniversary. So for a century, we've been partners and collaborating to make sure we've got a world-class zoo here in Milwaukee. That's awesome. How do you guys offer financial support to the zoo? Give us some ideas on that. Sure. We really do that in two ways. So the first one is to help provide about three and a half million dollars a year in general operating support, which helps with the day-to-day operations of the zoo. We do that through a critical component that the community can help on. So whenever you purchase a zoo pass that gives you free access to come out to the zoo, 50% of the funds raised through that program go directly to help with the day-to-day operations um, of the zoo. And as I mentioned, we contribute about three and a half million dollars each year by sharing the revenue of that program with the zoo that helps keep it open. And then from there, we partner on the capital projects 50-50. So the county provides half the funds, then the society raises half the funds from private sources to help with the major renovations at the zoo. So tell us more about that capital campaign. It's a big undertaking for the, the society. Yes, I would absolutely love to tell you and your listeners a little bit more about that, Jill. We are in the midst of transforming 25% of the developed footprint of the zoo for Adventure Africa, which includes our elephants, hippos, and rhinos, and African hoofstock. As part of that project, we've committed to raise more than $25 million and have raised more than $20 million in the 
at present time and uh, have recently opened a new state-of-the-art elephant exhibit and a new underwater hippo exhibit, which has really become a regional attraction. People can be face-to-face with, with a hippo. When I go out to that exhibit, the kids have their noses against the glass and they can see Happy the Hippo. It's really, really fantastic. And I'm thrilled to be a part of it because I've got a picture of myself when I was a little girl out at the old elephant exhibit. And if I took you there today, not much has changed except the paint on the railing. But if you go out to the new exhibit, it's really phenomenal and really an extraordinary experience for our visitors uh, to be able to see our elephants both through an indoor exhibit as well as outdoors at the new elephant exhibit. Well, we'll have to make sure we, we make a stop there in our annual visit to the zoo this year. I understand conservation is a big part of your mission. In fact, it's, it's the first element of your mission, which is to take part in conserving wildlife and endangered species. So tell us why this is so important to the Zoological Society. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for asking about that, because while we provide an educational and fun experience for visitors who come out to the zoo, we really believe that the animals at our zoo are ambassadors for those in the wild and that we have a responsibility to care for them, not only at our zoo, but out in the wild as well. And we do that through a number of initiatives. Tell us what uh, some of those conservation projects are that you guys are involved in. Sure. Uh, Some of what we do is we help support our zookeeper projects who do work um, with giraffes in Africa, blue iguanas, jaguars in Belize. So really we do work on multiple continents um, and support a variety of species with some great activities. And again, hands-on experiences by our zookeepers who care for our animals and then also go out in the wild. Mm. Well, again, I look forward to seeing all that all those things that are going on, uh, some things that I hadn't known before. I mean, it, it, I feel like I'll be visiting with a new eye perhaps this year. People visit the zoo all year round. Has anybody ever been there over Christmas? Time. I think that would actually be really fun. But summertime is the most popular time to visit. So stay tuned. And when we return, we're going to talk about some fun things going on during the summertime. We'll be right back after commercial break. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking today with Jody Gibson, President and CEO of the Zoological Society of Milwaukee. So, Jody, the society's getting ready for summer zoo camps and classes. Uh, You want to tell us a little bit more about what those are? Absolutely. Well, our education programs really are the crown jewel of what we do at the society and are just beloved by parents and kids alike um, who experience them. Um, We offer programming for kids uh, from stroller safaris, so the littlest of babies and toddlers can come, all the way through age 14. We've got some comprehensive programming, and it's interactive, age-appropriate, it's fun, um, and it also meets all of the educational standards. So while kids are learning about animals and natural sciences and having fun taking what they learn in the classroom and being able to go out and actually see 
see it in the zoo, we're also complementing their educational programming that they receive at school. And we know there are a lot of parents who love our programs. So we see a lot of kids that start out in stroller safari, come back year after year after year. And in fact, periodically we get a call from a parent who lost their summer camp t-shirt from one year way back when because they've been collecting them all and they want us to go back and find it because the experiences are so memorable um, to the kids and parents alike that those t-shirts from summer camps become a collector item because they serve as a memory of the experiences they had out at our zoo and really enjoyed. So um, it's something that we enjoy and the community loves as well. Um, I'll tell you a secret, you got to get in early. Sometimes our classes are so loved on our first day, we sell out more than half the spots that we have available. So if this is something you and your kids love, make sure that you sign up early. We've got some great offerings again this year, everything from classes that are just 60 to 90 minutes to week-long programming for kids as well. Wow. Well, that's a good tip. Make sure you're listening and call ahead to say, Jody told you. <laughs> you said we're supposed to sign up soon. And don't you guys have a zoo to you program that actually goes into the schools? Absolutely. So not only do we offer classes on site, but our teachers actually go out to schools as well and do in-class programming. And we also developed some new capabilities recently as well, where we're able to broadcast programs and offer virtual school, both directly to schools and classrooms, as well as um, right into homes to reach parents and kids at home through our Zoo Connect initiative. So it's really 360 degrees of offerings that we make available uh, to parents and teachers. Okay. Well, I don't, I, I did not know that. I didn't know that you guys went out to the school. So that's very cool. You have something uh, called the Coles Wild Theater. Tell us about that. Yes, so we are very fortunate, thanks to our friends at Coles who's helped sponsor this theater initiative, we operate the largest zoo-based children's theater programming in the country. And in the we are, country? Yes, in the country. It's something we're really proud of. And Jill, we like to say it's a little bit of edutainment um, because it's educational program taught through the entertainment of theater productions. And what a lot of people don't realize is that allows us to tap into our local artist community too. So everything we do is an original production written, produced, composed, directed, and acted in by our local artists. So not only is this a uh, program of the zoo, but it's really a collaborative effort um, with our local artists here in Milwaukee that we are able to employ and also leverage to teach kids about conservation and education. And because of the sponsorship with Coles, it's free. So the programming is free on site at the zoo. And we also go free to schools within a 50 mile radius of the zoo. And people love the programming because it's so interactive with the audience. So um, one of our productions, we were teaching about solar energy. And as part of the performance, we asked the kids, teachers, and parents in the audience to hold up their hands like solar panels so they could capture the energy of the sun and help fuel what was going on on stage. So it's really interactive and entertaining and educational at the same time. 
Mm, that sounds awesome. Well, I want to give kudos to Coles for uh, working with you on that. I know they're involved in a lot of uh, philanthropic endeavors in the in the city. So that's that's really awesome that they're involved in that. Talk to us about scholarships to zoo classes because maybe not everybody can afford to to make it to the zoo every yeah. year. We really believe that it's important that everyone in our community, regardless of their ability to pay, has access to the zoo and the programming we offer. And so we're able to do that in a number of ways. I think one of the most significant programs we have is our Animal Ambassador Program, which partners with um, schools and classes that might not otherwise be able to afford a trip to the zoo. We work with them on sort of a multifaceted program where we go out to their school, help teach them about the animals in our zoo, then bring them out to the zoo for a couple of visits to have that on-site experience. And then when they're done with the program, they actually graduate and become animal ambassadors. And because of the generosity of our sponsors, not only do they have a graduation ceremony at the zoo, but when they're done, they get free tickets for themselves and their families because we know not only the child isn't always able to come to the zoo, but really their entire family. So we hope that they can come back to the zoo and teach their whole family who may or may not have been a part of the Animal Ambassador Program about what they learned and have a free visit um, out to the zoo. And then we certainly partner with groups like Boys and Girls Club, um, Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And then we're also fortunate to have financial aid for anybody um, who's interested in some of the programming that we offer on site at the zoo. Some of the programs I referenced earlier, we are able to provide some financial aid for those as well. So it's something so important to us. And I, I love what we do in this area. Um, and I hope people take advantage of it. I'm proud of our Animal Ambassador Initiative and value the support we receive from the community at large to be able to make some free programming available to students who might not otherwise be able to have the joy you experience when you open the show um, by coming to the zoo. Yeah, and I was going to say how great it is, what a great family experience it is. I mean, we would go every year, and every year we'd get a picture in the same place, so we could just look back and see how the kids have grown, and it just has such fond memories. It's just, it's great. I think there's a whole lot more to the Zoological Society than people know, right? How have you been impacted this past year with COVID? Like most organizations, Jill, it's been a financial challenge. Um, we were hard hit by the initiative when the zoo closed and everything shut down in our community. Certainly the sales and revenues dropped. The zoo was closed for a few months. Um, and when that happens, the revenue just isn't coming in. What I would say, though, is we are most grateful for the community at large for the continued support of our mission. While we had to make some difficult uh, choices and navigate some ups and downs of COVID, just like all organizations. We are optimistic about the future and have really seen the community demonstrate their love for the zoo and the society through their continued support and donations to help us get through this difficult time. Yes. Well, you certainly do a lot for the community, for sure. I think uh, I read a statistic that in partnership with the zoo, you serve more than 1.3 million visitors a year, which is staggering. I mean, that's wonderful. 
you do a lot for the community. Now, how can the community help you to continue your mission? Uh, well, I think at a high level, Jill, people could visit our website at www.zoosociety.org. And we ask people to give their time, talent, and treasure. So you could volunteer, you could lend your expertise, or you could provide some financial support. And along the lines of financial support, one of the most important things could, people could do is really a win-win, which is buy a zoo pass. That pass that provides your free admission every day of the year to the zoo really is our bread and butter and helps us support the operations of the zoo and and the society. So we hope people would consider that. And then certainly if people who are able to make a donation to help support our capital campaign, that makes sure we have a zoo that not only you and I loved when we were kids, but the zoo of the future as well. All right. Well, people get out there and buy your zoo passes, support the zoo and the zoological society at the same time. Thank you, Jody, for participating in our interview today and for sharing how the zoological society is making a difference in a big way in southeastern Wisconsin. Thank you. You're welcome. It was my pleasure, Jill. Just as the Zoological Society of Milwaukee educates people about the importance of wildlife and the environment, there is another family fun destination that's dedicated to education with a focus on playful experiences that inspire learning for children. So learn who that is after the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. Before the break, I mentioned that there is another family fun destination that's dedicated to education with a focus on playful experiences that inspire learning for children. Sounds like fun, right? It's actually one that we visited a few times with my own kids when they were young, and I specifically remember putting apples on a tree and playing in the kitchen. And after all these years, that's actually what my kids remember the most as well. My next guest is here to talk more about this great organization. Welcome to the show today, Brian King, Executive Director of the Betty Brin Children's Museum. Thank you, Jill. It's an honor to be here. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Let's get started there and how you came to the museum. Sure. Uh, my, my time at the museum came through a kind of circuitous path, and I started out uh, my professional career as an attorney in Chicago, working, doing labor and employment law for uh, companies, for big companies. And I ended up an attorney really in an unwilling way. I really wanted to be an educator and I just suppressed it all through college. It felt like it would be the irresponsible thing to do for my future family if I were to earn a teacher's salary. So I just swallowed it and I went to law school. And then when I got out, and started practicing law as a young attorney, I got stuck with some of the assignments that the older attorneys and the partners didn't want to do. And it was ended up being a really good thing for me because they sent me out to corporations to teach the seminars on preventing workplace harassment uh, and workplace violence, and nobody wanted to do it. So here I am, 26, 27 years old, and I show up at a Whirlpool plant in northern Indiana in a big conference room with people who don't want to be there, who are forced <laughs> to be there in order to check a box. And I have three hours 
of mandated teaching to do. And my challenge was to A, make them learn something and B, make them actually enjoy being there. And I, I could do it. And I felt alive during those times. And that's what told me again, you know what, you need to be in education. You've got to get out of the law. So I did. Um, at the first opportunity, when I felt like I had loans under control, I got out of law and I began my career in, in formal education as a classroom teacher. By that point, I'd moved to Milwaukee and I started working at the Milwaukee Jewish Day School where I taught seventh and eighth grade social studies um, at, and eventually became the head of school and director of innovation at the school. I was there for 14 years. Then I took a little detour and designed furniture for a little while and then decided, nope, I got to be back with kids and wow, you've got an interesting path there <laughs> it is definitely interesting but it all fits together absolutely absolutely well since taking the role as the museum's executive director a little over a year and a half ago right what would you say has most surprised you well uh, uh, there's been a number of really really uh, fun surprises because even though I was no stranger to children or education I really didn't know much about a children's museum and what it meant to run one of those. And so a lot was was new and interesting. And, and one of the things is that I, I found myself at an organization with a real long and rich history of innovation, uh, of, of going through and doing the hard work of taking risks to develop um, really innovative workshops and experiences for kids, uh, as well as our entire exhibit business. And, and it's something that I wasn't aware of that Betty Bryn over the years has designed and built uh, most of its own exhibits, as well as a number of exhibits that you might find other places all over the, the country and even the world. And th that is uh, much, a, it's a credit to the organization and the innovative spirit that's alive there. I was also pleasantly surprised to see that this is an organization that often gets 175,000 to 200,000 visitors in a year. And if you've been there, it's not big. It's not a big space. And so it's a, uh, it's a real feat. Well, and you having a teacher background, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the STEAM programming, which was, is incorporated into a number of the different things that you're doing there. I don't know, is, the, is the putting the apples on the tree, is that still there? Does anybody remember that? It's not still there. So we, oh, okay. we've, we've definitely rotated exhibits. Um, some of the things have been there for a long time, but th that one is not still there. Oh, bummer. That was always so much fun. It sounds so simple, but you know, you got to pick apples and then put them on the tree and then you got to cook an apple pie. And, you know, it was always so much fun. So it's interesting to hear what, what has surprised you over the years. What can you tell us about the Betty Brin Children's Museum that might surprise us? So Everybody knows us as the Betty Brin Children's Museum or the Betty Brin or even just the Brin. Uh, but most people don't know that Betty Brin was a real person and uh, don't necessarily know her story. Uh, and she was a an orphan and had to bounce uh, in and out of foster care uh, throughout her childhood and um, really bootstrapped herself and uh, founded a uh, what became a successful company called Managed Health Services back in 1984 and um, was just an inspiring person who, who left us way too early at the age of, in her early 50s from cancer. And her friends and colleagues and, and people came together and said, we need to honor Betty and her spirit. And a beautiful way to do that would be um, through a children's museum, to bring a children's museum to Milwaukee, which didn't have one at the time. And, and this is really important, to make the children's museum accessible to everyone. 
you know, she grew up an orphan and things were difficult. And we, and, and this museum was founded on the expectation that it would be accessible to all children. Mm, I, that's great to know that story. I bet most people don't know that. Like you said, they're, they just affectionately call it the, uh, the Betty Brin and, and don't really realize what goes, what's behind it. But tell us, why do you think that children's museums are needed in, in a community? You've asked a great question and one that the, the industry as a whole is asking itself, because on the one hand, I can imagine people saying, well, it's a place where kids go play, you know, so it's not a school. You don't need it like a school, but I would push back on that. And I'd say that a children's museum that's really doing its job, uh, that's, that's fulfilling its mission on a daily basis is a museum that has impact well beyond just being a place where kids come and play. And uh, a children's museum that has impact is one that really lifts the community up, that improves the lives of any of the children or families who come there. That uh, It's one that partners with schools to help schools do what they do better, to provide resources to schools. Uh, a children's museum that has impact is one that actually um, uplifts the field of education and specifically early childhood and elementary education, one that it, it really influences that. So at Betty Brin, for example, we have been at the forefront of making and learning. Uh, we established a makerspace in 2013 before a lot of people even knew what that term was. That's our innovative spirit at work, but we've also taken that work and shared it with schools and libraries all over the region. So children learn through play and exploration and just trying things out, right? It's, it's important, that piece. So we understand now why the children's museums are, are needed in the community. What would you say makes the Betty Brin Children's Museum so special to Milwaukee in particular? I think that on some level, we are the only children's museum, and we also serve the youngest dem demographic, uh, along with the zoo. And in fact, those are two organizations that have you know, a lot of overlap in our, in our memberships. And, you know, being right there downtown as a children's museum, we are one of the gateways to the Milwaukee's cultural institutions. And so we, I think we serve a really important role uh, to bring children and young children and young families into uh, the, the world of cultural institutions in Milwaukee and kind of get them launched in for a lifetime of, of uh, going not just to our organization, but all the organizations around us. So yeah. I think that's something that's special about us. Um, and it's also you guys, you generate like hundreds of thousands of dollars every year, right? Absolutely. And uh, that's another special thing that, that the innovative work that we do with our exhibit design and our exhibit business is really something special. And it's unusual um, within the children's museum industry. There are only a handful of us that um, actually design and fabricate exhibits. And we do it in two ways. We, we design and, and fabricate exhibits that we sell to other museums that they install. And we also do it for museums that, uh, that we put these exhibits on the rental market and they wow. tour around uh, all over the country. And that's something that is a, a great revenue generator for us that helps support our mission. Yeah, I would imagine. And very interesting. Again, something I was not aware of. We talk impact a lot on this show. When you think about impact for children, what do you recognize as indicators of the museum's success? So when you go out on the museum floor, you watch and you listen and, and you start to see the impact. And it's not so different from what you see at schools. 
we're listening for what the kids are saying. Also, sometimes the parents, but most importantly, what are the children saying? And my favorite to hear is, I did it. I did it is, you know, those are three of the most powerful words uh, that a child can say, because what that usually, it comes out as an ex exclamation, I did it. And that's usually because whatever the child was doing, he or she failed several times before getting to the point where the child can say, I did it. And that is learning. That's what learning is all about, is pushing through failure to get to the point where you can exclaim, I did it. And we hear that on our museum floor all the time because we put experiences in front of children that challenge them appropriately. The other thing we love to hear is and see is to watch kids drag their parents <laughs> from place to place. Let's go here. I want to play with this and I want to do this. And they literally drag their parents from place to place and then they make their plant parents role play with them. Oh yeah. Which, well we had to, I can't tell you how many how many apples we had to pick up over the years. You know, it was it was a learning experience. It was fun. Out of the mouths of babes, right? Well, what's on the horizon for Betty Brin Children's Museum? Uh, when we come back, Brian King, executive director, will tell us what the future holds for the museum and its plans to partner with another popular Milwaukee attraction for a new location. Stay tuned and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm finishing up my interview today with Brian King, Executive Director of the Betty Brin Children's Museum. So, Brian, let's shift gears a bit and talk about this alliance you have with the Milwaukee Public Museum, which has been in the news uh, lately. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is an exciting alliance that we think really creates a lot of synergies for both organizations and for the Milwaukee community in general. To put two of uh, the, you know, two of the main family-focused cultural institutions downtown together under the same roof is, uh, is, a, is a pretty big deal. It's not so, so typical to find uh, in communities, and it allows us to serve people from basically birth all the way to you know, uh, the, the elderly all under one roof. And uh, so we're really excited about this. It's going to be a process. It's going to take time. Um, but it came about because uh, you know, our needs as an organization and the public museum's needs in some ways have started to converge. They need a new building. There's been plenty of news about that. And we do too. And there's not much news about that, but we do have a lease that will end in 2028. Uh, and we also have a building that was not designed as a children's museum. And uh, we've always been shoehorned into it. It's a county parks pavilion. It's not a museum. And it's not big enough for the stature of museum that we have. So this creates an opportunity for us to get, in many ways, the museum of our dreams, while the public museum is building the museum of their dreams. And we do it together. And, you know, collectively, we might very well be able to serve three quarters of a million people a year or more, which would be really, really exciting. Yeah. And it's a win-win, right? I mean, it's, it's great for both, both organizations, but you know, I would, I would imagine that there's got to be some challenges in considering that move, right? There's a lot of challenges and, and, you know, partnership is, is complicated. Partnership uh, is messy, just like we say at the Museum Creativity messy. 
uh, and and that's okay. And so we spend a lot of time working through what this can and should look like, what this alliance can and should look like. And the other thing that uh, clearly has to be stated is that this project is um, not an, an inexpensive endeavor. It uh, is a uh, project that has a total cost of approximately $240 million. And in order to reach that level of funding, we need funding from uh, public uh, sources like the state and the county, as well as a really robust private capital campaign. So you it's going to take a number of years. All hands on deck, right? All hands on deck. This would be, uh, this is a campaign that's um, sized more like you see at universities. We think we can do it. Otherwise, we wouldn't be this far. But that doesn't mean it won't be difficult. And it doesn't mean we're not going to need the Milwaukee community and the Milwaukee community of, of funders to really step up and fund this innovative alliance. There's something special here that uh, you don't necessarily find in most communities. And, and um, so we're going to be telling that story and selling that dream as much as we can. Yeah, well, it most certainly is. I mean, it's it's exciting. It's a little ways off, but you know, it's it's a great uh, thing to look forward to and for people to get involved in, as you said. And it's a large undertaking, and so the more people that get involved, the the better. Corporations, individuals, families. Let's talk about your current priorities and the projects that families can look forward to now. Absolutely. Uh, so one of the uh, priorities of projects right now that we're really excited about is our relatively newly launched virtual workshop initiative. You know, we've determined that there are only so many children and families we can serve in our facility, um, even when it's bigger down the road with the public museum, when we're, we have a larger facility, there are only so many people who will come who are going to come downtown. And we want to break down barriers. We want to break down walls. And we, we developed a very sophisticated online workshop platform that connects learners, children, with teachers, instructors from all over the world. And they're live. They're hands-on experiences. Sometimes you get a kit in the mail. Sometimes you don't, depending on what you, you choose. And through the magic of Zoom, um, you can have a handful of kids on a screen making a traditional you know, West African instrument with a West African artist, musician, who is literally in Ghana at the time teaching a child or Costa Rica or Japan, or you fill in the blank. And we currently have more than 80 of these workshops online that are uh, avail available to be booked um, right now. Some of them are led by our own educators and some are, and most of them are with, uh, instructors from all over the world. So we're really excited about that. And we've brought it to schools. And by the end of this particular school year, uh, we should have more than 2000 students who will have participated in these uh, workshops. And it's just an exciting new frontier for us. How cool that you can be Zooming with somebody halfway around the world and learning something that is specific to their culture. And that is really, really cool. It is. Um, in addition to that, um, in addition to the virtual initiatives, we also are planning to launch something that's not so different from what Jody explained in the earlier segment, and we're calling it the Betty Bryn Roadshow for now. We want to be able to take our experience and put it in a truck and take it on the road. And by our experience, I mean the workshops that we've developed over time, as well as mobile exhibit experiences so that we could show up at a school or a community center or a festival or a park and set up six, eight, even 10 experiential stations for 
uh, children to work through. And again, they can't all make it to our facility. And this would allow us to go where the children are. So that is under active development and we're super excited about it too. And don't you guys have uh, some strategic partnerships that are out there? Again, Coles, I understand, is, is you're involved with. So there's that name again, getting involved. Absolutely. Coles and the Hertzfeld Foundation um, in, in particular have been the major supporters of our virtual learning platform and being able to bring these experiences to children for for free through their through schools. Um, and we also have some um, fun partnerships that we've developed with First Stage Children's Theater the uh, with the Florentine Opera. And we even have an in-house kids rapper in residence, uh, Wes Tank, uh, who, who really shot to internet stardom by, he raps, he rapped Fox and Socks, the Dr. Seuss book to Dr. Dre rap, uh, Dr. Dre to beats and um, became really, really famous pretty quickly for that. And now he works right out of our museum um, and is kind of like an artist in residence for us. So we, we've been looking for as many synergies and partnerships as we can find. That's wonderful. Well, like the zoo and the zoological society, uh, you give so much to the community. That's, that's wonderful. What would you say if somebody wants to get involved uh, in the Betty Brin Children's Museum, what could they do? What are you looking for? How do you need help? You know, I would say um, very similar to what Jody shared that the single best way that you could get involved with us is to become a member. Uh, we've been around for, for more than 25 years, um, not quite as long as the Zoological Society. And we have families who have been members with us for essentially that entire stretch. And it's not because they bring kids to the museum anymore. That's probably how it started. It's because they support us and they want to they want to get the email and find out what we're doing and come to an event every so often. And so you don't have to have a four-year-old to be a member at the museum. So that is the, the, the easiest and best way. Um, obviously, we as a nonprofit rely on the generosity of the donor community. And so any contribution to our museum is deeply appreciated and it allows us to do the great work that we do. Um, and all that you can find on our website, www.bbcmkids.org, bbcmkids.org. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, lots of great information here uh, between the Zoological Society and uh, the zoo and the Betty Brin Children's Museum. Thank you, Brian King, Executive Director from the Betty Brin Children's Museum, for sharing how you guys are making a difference in our community. Thanks for joining me today for the interview. Thanks so much. It was a real joy. Thank you, Jill. You're welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, or if you'd like to be considered as a guest on the show, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. Join us next Sunday morning at 10 to learn more about ways people and organizations are contributing to making our community safe, healthy, and educational, right, and fun. You can tune in to News Talk 1130 on your radio, or you can go to Newstalk1130.com on your computer, or you can listen on your cell phone via the iHeartRadio app. You can also visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired shows, or you can listen on demand now as well at Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or Apple Podcast. So as always, I hope we've given you some things to think about regarding ways to bring the fun factor to your family outings with either the zoo or the Betty Brin Museum. It's a fun mix of education and, and fun. It's a double bonus. If you found this information helpful, 
I ask you to share it. It's a great way to be a blessing to others as well as give a blessing to others, which is what it's all about, right? So stay safe, stay well, and have a great day.